Well, before I open us up in prayer, obviously it's a new year. Happy New Year to you all. It's a time I know when some folks are in the habit of making New Year's resolutions. Uh, my wife Ellen and I, I think we're in a different place, honey. You're not big on New Year's resolutions, no? You, you. So Ellen's not real big on New Year's resolutions. I'm not. I'm not huge into resolutions. But on the other hand, I do think um, you know it's sort of like if you if you don't even try to set some kind of goal, well then you know you're. I guess you're always sure to succeed in that sense, but. Um, but I do think it's helpful sometimes to, to, to think about what, what kind of rhythms, what sorts of patterns do we want to fold into our lives. And so today's talk really is very timely because we're going to be talking about daily reading of God's word and daily prayer. And so my hope is that for some of you, this might be maybe the beginning of that adventure. Um, for some of you, maybe it might be a time to restart an old habit, maybe that's fallen by the wayside. Um, And maybe for some, you're already in that rhythm, and this would just be an encouragement to you as you continue in that that daily rhythm of reading God's word and going to him in prayer. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Our opening prayer um, focuses on that, as as it often does. If you're following along in our little field guide, we're actually on page 21. I've skipped the chapter just because of the limited time we have. So... um, that's where the prayer is, and it's a prayer for proper 28. I don't know, that happens, I can't remember what, what that Sunday that's closest to, but anyway, this is one of our Sunday morning prayers, so it's a prayer that you'll hear once a year um, on Sunday morning. So let's, let's begin with that prayer. Blessed Lord, who caused all Holy Scripture to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, Read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So two weeks ago, back when we were together, we talked about our belief in God, the Holy Spirit. We... um, talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit is often depicted in art and and sort of peripherally in scripture as like a bird or or a dove. And we talked about the personality of the Holy Spirit, that is, what is Holy Spirit like as a person? And we also talked about the work of the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit is responsible for Christian conversion, Christian assurance, Christian holiness, Christian understanding, fellowship, service, mission, and so on. So the Holy Spirit is actively involved in the life of every Christian in your life here today. Um, bringing you into fellowship. And so this now brings us into the final third of the course uh, to our study of Christian behavior. So the first third was Christian beginnings, the second Christian beliefs, and the third today, Christian behaviors, where we begin. This is how John Stott names those three divisions in his book. I would maybe slightly reword them a little bit. I would call them, uh, again, Christian beginning, because we talk about how do we get started in the Christian life. Christian learning, because we've learned about who God the Father, who God the Son, who God the Holy Spirit are as persons, and now Christian living. How do we actually live this Christian life? What does that look like? How is your life going to be different than your neighbor who is also trying to live a good life but is not a believer? What what does it look like for us as as Christians? So that's what we're going to be talking about in this last section. So we're going to meet today, and then we'll meet next Sunday. And next Sunday, I'm going to talk a little bit about kind of what's next um, for you all. What does membership look like? Some of those sort of 
kind of technical things, maybe answer some questions. I hope to also talk about the sacraments, um, but just sort of depends on, on the time that we've got. So if you've got questions, you know, we're coming to the end of the course. If you've got questions, feel free to email me, text me, let me know, and I can anticipate them. And if you forget and you want to ask me in the class, um, you can do that as well. But, but we're coming to the end of the line, and then I'm going to restart the foundations class because we have a new crop of folks coming in um, the week after that. So anyway, that's kind of where we are in these last uh, two weeks. So um, this is a good time to underscore a point that we established on the first day of class. Many people think that behavior is the heart of the Christian faith. You'll ask person, a person, what does it mean to be a Christian? And they'll say, to be a Christian is to be a good person, to do good things. But as we talked about, that is not the heart of the Christian faith. The heart of the Christian faith is what? The person of Jesus Christ and to be a Christian is what? To know him, to have a relationship, to, to, to follow him. So the heart of Christianity is the person of Jesus Christ. To be a Christian is to have a relationship with him. Having said that, though, we, once that relationship begins, well, then um, that will begin to change how we act. It will begin to change our behavior. So our behavior, as it were, is the fruit of that relationship. And so it should only make sense that it comes at the end of the course. It is a result of the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. But now um, that we have put our roots in Christ, um, we, we have committed ourselves to him, um, the question is, wh what does it look like to live our lives? Well, if I could stretch this analogy a little further, yes, our behavior is the fruit, it's the result of our love for God, but it's also true that our behavior can serve as a kind of fertilizer for our relationship with God. That is, some behaviors can actually help to foster that relationship, to make it stronger, to help us to trust him more and more and more. And that's what we're gonna be talking about today. Just to use an analogy, um, one of my good friends is my friend uh, Trevor Spencer. He's a priest over in Sullivan's Island. We've been friends since high school. And I love to grab a pint with Trevor. I mean, we just love to hang out. We're gonna hang out tonight, 5.30, gonna go hang out in his backyard. So the time that we spend together is a fruit of the fact that I like Trevor. I just like hanging out with him. We're friends. But it's also true that in addition to our time together being a fruit of our friendship, it's also true that spending time together also enhances my love for Trevor as my friend. I grow in an appreciation for him. I get to know him more and more and more. So it's both a fruit and it's also a fertilizer, if you will. It fosters the relationship. Well, the same is true in our relationship um, with God. And we're going to talk about two behaviors today that flow out of our love for God, but will also help and deepen our love and appreciation for God. And those two behaviors are Bible reading and prayer. Now, I'm going to ask you all a question. I don't want you to answer out loud. I don't want you to move your head or raise your hand. This is just an internal question. But the question I want to ask you is this. Do you want to grow in faith? Do you want to grow spiritually? Do you want to grow in your relationship with God? If the answer is yes, then you have to be willing to give your relationship with God the same time, attention, and energy that every human relationship needs. Now, I'll always be friends with Trevor no matter what, but if we don't ever spend time together, you know, it's sort of hard for our friendship to grow. 
What we're talking about today really is an introduction to uh, the whole world of Christian discipline. Now that word discipline, it's become something of a dirty word. Ew, discipline. We use it in the negative. You know, if, if you get out of line, then I'm going to discipline you. Well, that's not the kind of discipline we're talking about. Today we're talking about the discipline that arises out of being a disciple. Those two words, it's no coincidence, have the exact same root. To be a disciple is to be disciplined, to follow a discipline, to grow in your relationship with Christ. You cannot grow as a disciple of Jesus without cultivating those disciplines that will enable you to learn how to hear his voice and obey his commands. Now, we all know that if you want to grow intellectually, then you need the discipline of study. If you want to grow as an athlete or as a musician, it's going to take discipline. I mean, practice, practice, practice. Practice makes perfect. That's what you hear if you're trying to learn an instrument or, or um, make a free throw shot. But when it comes to the spiritual life, somehow we've gotten this idea that the spiritual life is just something that just sort of happens to us. We don't have to do anything. But that's not how Jesus lived his life. Jesus clearly was steeped in the word of God. He clearly spent time in the word. Uh, Jesus clearly set aside specific time for prayer with the Father by himself. Jesus fasted. Jesus did all sorts of things that are Christian disciplines. So I want to impress upon you all here this morning, and especially I want to say this to the guys, to the men, because I think men struggle um, with this whole idea of, of discipline. For whatever reason, disciplining ourselves spiritually, it seems to come on the whole, in general, I think more naturally to women for some reason than for men. I don't know why that is. And again, that's just a generalization. But, but to all of us, but to the men in particular, spiritual growth, we need to understand, requires discipline. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. So let's talk about the basics. Well, it's vitally important that we begin to establish in our lives a daily pattern of meeting with God through prayer and through the word. Some of you are morning people. How many? I'm a morning person. Anybody else a morning person? Anybody? So got some morning people. So maybe for you, maybe 15 minutes at the beginning of the day. Some of you are night owls. So maybe it's in the quiet of the night that you set a little time aside. Maybe it's during your lunch break. But the point is that we set aside a time each and every day. It's time for us and the Lord alone. Now, when you're in the phase of your life, when you've got little children, um, that, that's, I have to say, that was the most, spiritually speaking, that was the most difficult season of my life to maintain some kind of ongoing discipline. And so sometimes when you've got little children and, and they need attention, I mean, that's just, you just do the best you can. Um, but, but the point is to have a daily pattern. Now, if this is gonna happen, then we first have to learn how to do this. That is, we have to learn how to put a leash on our desires, our emotions, uh, on the things that we maybe instinctively want. The key to discipline is delayed gratification, just good old-fashioned delayed gratification. For example, think about what's the first thing you like to do in the morning. Maybe it's scroll through social media stream, maybe it's scan the headlines. Maybe it's catch up on uh, the scores of a game the day before. How do you unwind at the end of the day? Watching a ball game, listening to a podcast, watch something on Netflix, scroll through endless cat videos. You know, we all have our thing, right? I mean, the thing you sort of do to unwind. Whatever these things are, 
if you're going to grow as a disciple, then those things have got to begin to take a back seat. You've got to begin to put a leash on them. That doesn't have to be a huge leash. We're not talking about, none of the things I've just mentioned are bad things in and of themselves. Not that they're bad or wrong, but we have to put a leash on them. Otherwise, what we're talking about today will never happen. We have to be willing to say, you know, I'm not going to scroll through my feed until I've spent some time in God's word. I'm not going to catch up on the scores until I've spent some time in prayer with God. Doing this requires discipline. Because at first, your emotions are going to be like that little dog. They're going to say, I don't want to do this, you know, God stuff, whatever that is. Your emotions are going to say, or maybe they're a little more subtle. Maybe they'll say, well, you, you can do that stuff maybe after we, you know, do, again, whatever that thing is that you enjoy doing. But what you will discover, my friends, is that if you continue to be faithful in your discipline as a disciple, then your emotions will begin to come in line. They'll begin to, to shrink down. They'll begin to conform to your mind's desire to seek God daily. Um, in his word. And in time, you'll actually find you'll begin to crave that time with your heavenly father. But it requires that you start with a conscious choice. It's as simple as that. Well, once you've established that time, maybe it's again, the beginning of the day, maybe it's in the evening, what do you do with it? Well, I would suggest that you begin with reading the Bible because after all, our conversation with God, that's what it is, a conversation. I mean, he's the primary speaker. Let's let him speak first. So we begin with the word of God. And here are just some basic principles for how to read and understand um, the Bible. First, we just look for the natural meaning. We take it at face value. We read it as it is. Now, you have to begin to understand that the Bible is made up of different genres of material. There's narrative, there's poetry, and so on. So we, we do read those things differently. And we also recognize that sometimes um, Jesus himself, in telling a parable, will use a metaphor. I mean, when Jesus says, beware the yeast of the Pharisees, He's not worried about the Pharisees' cooking practices. Okay, yeast is a metaphor. So, so, so we're taking the natural meaning, but also taking into account that sometimes our Lord uses uh, symbols, metaphors, idioms, allegories, parables, and so on. But we take the natural meaning. Secondly, we look for the original meaning. That is, we, we are careful not to inject 20th century concepts into the minds of the biblical authors. Now, this is kind of hard to do at first or, or even to know that you're doing it because we all have these sort of well, 21st century assumptions. We're walking around with the assumptions. We don't even know that we have the assumptions. But then as we begin to encounter God's word, we begin to learn, okay, this is a little bit different culture, so we've got to not inject our culture into that culture and so on. That will come as you begin to learn the, the, the world of God's word and the culture and the history and so on. But, but we need to be conscious that we need to first begin with the original meaning. And thirdly, we look for the general meaning. That, that is, the, we view the passage in the larger context, both of the book that it's contained within, because after all, the Bible is actually a collection of books. It's a book of books. But also, we take it in the context of the grand biblical narrative. So that if you read a passage and your interpretation of the passage is such that it's kind of out of joint with the broad biblical narrative, uh, chances are your, your, your understanding, your interpretation is, is a little off and needs to be brought in line. So we take it in the context of, of the general plan of salvation, the general story that the Bible is telling. So with those broad principles in mind, how, how do we actually go about reading it? Well, 
we need some kind of a method, and different people have different methods. Now, if you are just starting out, like if this really is your first time of actually opening a Bible by yourself and reading it for yourself, sometimes people can get kind of enthusiastic and say, well, I'm going to try to read the whole Bible in a year. Please, I would suggest you don't start with that. That's way too much. There's way too much going on. I would suggest instead, if you are just starting out or if you're restarting, um, I would suggest that you begin with the gospel according to Matthew. That's the first book in the New Testament, the first gospel, and just read a chapter a day. Take you five minutes, chapter a day. So we need some kind of a method. Secondly, I would suggest that you have um, a modern Bible, if at all possible, to get a study Bible. I'm going to say more about this in a second, but a study Bible will help you to understand when you're reading a passage and you're like, I don't, I don't think I understand what's going on, you can read the material below and it'll sort of help you understand what's happening in the passage. So a study Bible is helpful. Um, a third resource is a website called The Bible Project. And this website has all sorts of materials to help you engage God's word. Just as a little commercial, I'm going to show you a little intro video um, that they have of a whole series about how to read the Bible. So let's just take a look. I hope the volume is right. I forgot to check that. So anyway, those are the sorts of videos that the Bible Project has, bibleproject.com. I'd encourage you to, to check that out if you need a little help or, um, in, in, in getting started. Again, great resource. Um, let's say something else. Oh, I just wanted the sort of practical thing. Um, you know, I'm the kind, some people, I like to check things off of lists. For some people, that doesn't do anything for you. But if you are that kind of person, you might, it might be helpful maybe just to have a little, little notepad with, you know, chapter one, two, three, four, five. And each day you read a chapter, you just sort of check it off. Just to kind of help, help keep you moving, moving forward as you read God's word. Now, those are just some, some general um, practical uh, aspects of reading the Bible. But let's talk about, okay, you've set aside the time. You've sat down. You're going to begin in the gospel according to Matthew. Like, how does this work? First thing I would suggest you do is just begin with a prayer and invite Holy Spirit in. Say, come Holy Spirit. I want to hear you. I want to hear God speaking. Open my mind, open my heart. Help me to understand. So we begin just by inviting the Holy Spirit in. I'm kind of a, you know, I'm a little bit of a spaz. I oftentimes skip that part. I get in reading. I'm like halfway through. I'm like, I haven't even really stopped. And I'm just like, you know, thinking about hundred things. So sort of stop, begin, pray. Simple prayer. Come Holy Spirit. Second of all, after reading the passage, we, we need to think about it. God gave us minds. He, he means for us to use them. Um, Paul put it this way in his second letter to Timothy. He said, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So we need, to, we need to think about it, reflect on it, consider what did it mean when it was written? What is maybe God trying to communicate to me today? Again, this is where a study Bible can be very helpful. What a study Bible is, is, a, is simply a Bible where you've got the text on, on the top half and then the bottom half is some notes on that. And so you might read something coming along and it talks about a drachma. You're like, a drachma, what's that? And you read down there below and it explains, oh, it's a unit of currency and blah, blah, blah. And it just kind of helps you to understand what's going on. A good study Bible will also give you an intro to each book so you can read and sort of understand, okay, what's this about? Um, what was the author like? What do we know about the author? Knowing that can, kind of, can help you engage more fully in, into the text. So a good study Bible is helpful. A good study Bible will help you be like this dog, you know, grab the bone and get to the marrow of it. And that's what we want to do. We want to chew 
on the Word of God. So, pray, think, and thirdly, we want to remember. Over and over again in the Old Testament, the downfall of God's people was that they forgot. They forgot what God had done for them. They forgot God's promises. They forgot to care for the poor and the needy. They forget, they forget, they forget. And God constantly saying, do not forget, do not forget, do not forget. Um, That's why I love this picture. Here's a person, you know, reading the word of God and obviously over here journaling. Now you might say, oh my gosh, I I don't, you know, taking all those notes and that's not for me. Yes, journaling works for some people, doesn't work for others. But you might have a little notepad and maybe just write down one word, one sentence, maybe one thing that you think God might be speaking to you out of the passage. You might have something you might not, and that's okay. But it just would help you to remember the passage as you go throughout the day. And finally, of course, we're called to obey, not just to read it and think about it on an intellectual level, but to put it into practice in our lives. Jesus said, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. When God speaks through his word, we need to obey. So, daily reading of scripture. Now I'll say in some seasons in my life, um, some seasons I've had where, you know, I'm kind of a a person of of, um, creature of habit, And so there were some seasons where maybe I would engage God's word on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, maybe take a break on Saturday and then obviously receive God's word in worship on Sunday. There are different patterns, but the point is to begin and establish some kind of pattern, some kind of a pattern. Um, So that's Bible reading. That's how we first listen for God. Then, after we've listened, it's time for us to respond, to talk back. It's a conversation, after all. It's a dialogue. And that's what prayer is all about. Well, how should we pray? Um, I love this quote from John Stott, our author. He put it this way. He said, I doubt if anybody has ever become at all Christ-like who has not been diligent in prayer. Now, I mean, I, every, every time I teach this class and we come to this little section, I mean, I read that and I'm, I'm convicted. I'm like, ugh. You know, I'm not always a great person of prayer. I'm not. And so this is a reminder to me to to return to the practice of being faithful in in prayer. And sometimes that prayer may just be quiet listening. That might be the most important prayer that you do. But we're going to talk more about other types of prayer as we move on. But But the point is, again, that there is time set aside to listen and to talk to God. J.C. Ryle is one of the great uh, bishops of the church, and he, he put it this way. He said, prayer and sinning will never live together in the same heart. Prayer will consume sin, or sin will choke out prayer. So prayer is powerful. Prayer, rightly understood, is always a response to God's word. He speaks to us first when we read the Bible, and then we respond in prayer. Now, this kind of dialogue is such a contrast to, I think, the popular understanding of prayer. I think the popular understanding of prayer basically envisions God as some great Coke machine in the sky. You know, we put in the quarter of our request, we push the button, and we wait for 16 ounces of blessings to come down from heaven. You know, that's kind of the, that's the, that's the fullest idea of prayer. Now, that is actually one small part, asking God for things, but that is just one tiny part of prayer. Prayer is really about God changing us more than it is about us convincing God to do something. Now, it's important, as we'll talk about in a minute, it is important that we bring to God our needs. He wants us to go to him with our needs. 
But as you grow in prayer, what you'll learn is that God wants to begin to change what's in here. We want God to change like what's out here, like change my circumstances. And he will, he does intervene. But the most important work is the work that he wants to do in here, in each of us uh, here today. So it's a good discipline to begin your prayer by responding, first by responding to what you've read in God's word. Uh, maybe, maybe it'll be maybe a little prayer of praise. You know, thank you, Lord, that you're so compassionate. Maybe you'll read something that will kind of prick your conscience and you're like, God, oh, I need to, this is something I need to confess. Um, sometimes it might be a prayer for understanding or for intercession, but the point is we begin with what we've read. I mean, it's sort of like if you're talking to someone in a conversation, you're having a conversation and all of a sudden they totally change subjects on you and you're like, but I was, you know, it'd be rude to do that, to change until you've responded to what the person has said. So that's why we want to respond first to what we've read in God's word. So, um, God begins the conversation in his word, we respond. Let me say this as well about prayer before we kind of go in and, and go a little deeper. Prayer should be natural. I think sometimes get it in, people get it in their minds, especially in a tradition like ours, where we often are praying prayers you know, out of a prayer book. People feel like it has to sort of sound a certain way with these and thous and you know, has to be you know, all their grammar correct. I mean, God does not care about that. My children come to talk to me. I, I, don't, I don't care that they're, they've got all their words just right. I just want them to talk. And God is the same. Now, there may be times, though, where, where you feel like this. You're like, dear Jesus, blah, 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 amen. Like, you, you, just, you, you know you want to pray for something. You don't know how to pray. There may come times like that. So it is helpful to have sometimes resources that you can lean on there, that, that are helpful. This is one resource we're going to talk about in a minute. May be helpful, may not. Our own Book of Common Prayer, near the back, has a whole series of prayers for all sorts of things. Praying for uh, an addict. Praying for someone who's traveling. Praying for parents um, as they raise up children. All, all these different sorts of prayers. So sometimes those kinds of resources can be helpful when you feel like this. Because there may be times when you feel like that. The Apostle Paul talked about feeling like that. So that's, again, that's where the prayer book can be helpful. Um, but let's dig a little deeper. There are at least five different kinds of prayer, and it's important that we work toward having a balanced diet of prayer that includes all five types. Because otherwise, left to our own devices, we kind of go back to that. Again, God is a great Coke machine in the sky. Um, we can become like the Berenstain Bears and the gimmies. You know, God, give me this, give me this, give me this. Again, God is concerned with the things that are on our hearts, but really that should be sort of the last thing. There's a whole different series of other prayers that we want to bring before the Lord. Well, what are those types? Well, John Stott refers to the five types in this way. He talks about the look up at God, the look in at ourselves, the look around at others, the look back to the past, the look on to the future. I'm going to reword these. I'm going to call uh, the look up at God as adoration, the look in at ourselves, confession, the look around at others as supplication, Look back to the past as Thanksgiving. Look on to the future as petition. But I'm going to rearrange them from how he does it so that I can get this nice little acronym, AXP. Well, there's a P at the end. It just sort of, it doesn't go with the acronym, but ACTS. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, and petition. Those are the five types of prayer. Let's talk about them. Um, now, I've provided you all with this little notebook. Let me just say this about this. If this is helpful, great. If not, throw it in the trash, 
okay? It's just, it's just an offering. But, but I do want to go through it because it is an attempt to help facilitate a balanced diet of prayer. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, um, and petition. Now, if you look on the inside, um, there's a little suggested use thing uh, that talks about spending 15 minutes. You might think, you know, I'm not ready yet to spend 15 minutes. I mean, I got 10 minutes. Okay, fine. Again, just a suggestion. If it's helpful, take it. If it's not, you know, you can... Like I said, throw it in the trash. But we begin with adoration. Adoration is giving praise to God, praising the Lord just for who he is. The Psalms are very helpful for adoration. Maybe if you're a singer, maybe you might want to you know, sing a praise song or, or sing one of the great hymns of the church. But the point is that we turn our hearts in praise to God, adoration. Next is a confession over on page 12. But the thing about confession is... It's hard to confess something that you don't know is there. Is that right? It's hard to... If you don't know that you have a need to confess, well, you're not going to confess. So one of the things that Christians through the centuries have begun to do is to find ways to help examine themselves, to invite the Holy Spirit in to say, okay, maybe there's some stuff in here in this heart that ain't quite right that I'm not even aware of. That's what this little method of self-examination was designed to do. It takes you through the Ten Commandments. Maybe you want to do one a week. I don't, I don't know. Um, maybe one a day. But you go through each of the Ten Commandments and you read the commandment, but then it begins to kind of flesh it out. I mean, we tend to think, thou shalt not murder. Well, I haven't killed anybody, so that doesn't apply to me. Well, as Jesus said, well, if you have hatred for your brother in your heart, you have murdered him in your heart. So Jesus helped us to understand it's not just this surface level, there's a, there's a whole spiritual reality. Well, that's what this is designed to try to help you kind of dig in. Say, hmm, man, maybe there's some stuff in here I wasn't even aware of. So, so you begin with self-examination and you just confess it to the Lord and then on prayer, page 17, um, there are just various prayers where we ask for God's forgiveness. If they're helpful, great. Or just say it in your own words. Ask for God's forgiveness. And then you need to know in confidence that God has forgiven you. Period. That's his promise. So, that's confession. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, page uh, 18. Just a series of prayers, maybe to help you flesh out and be aware of your blessings. I'll make another confession. Oftentimes, I get going through life, and my life is full of blessings, and I'm... I'm totally oblivious and ungrateful. I mean, I'm ashamed to admit it, but it's true. And so one of the things as Christians that will frankly help to grow joy in our life is and cultivate joy is when we stop and look around and say, oh my God, God has blessed me immensely. Thank you. Thank you. That can begin to bring a wellspring of joy in our lives, especially we're in in the midst of some challenging time. So Thanksgiving... And then next is uh, supplication, um, also known as intercession. So the idea is we're, we're bringing before God uh, supplication. We're asking him to intercede on behalf of those persons um, that we know and love, to intercede on behalf of the world. So that's what these prayers are designed to do, to kind of help you begin to think about who are some people maybe that I know personally, or maybe, again, maybe it's just for the whole world, but asking God to, to intercede. And then finally, finally, after all of that, we get to 
what is the most probably common form of prayer, um, a form of prayer that we often don't need to be reminded to do, but it's prayers for ourselves. And, and, and I want to say, you know, I've kind of, um, <laughs> you know, I've talked about these as Coke machine prayers. Jesus wants us to bring every concern to him. So, so don't hear me in, in, in saying that it's bad to ask for things that you want or need. No, Jesus taught us. If he taught us to ask for our daily bread, okay, then, then nothing's out of, out of his purview. But I think the point is oftentimes we can be so focused on ourselves and our needs that, that we, f- we lose sight of the rest of the world and we lose sight of the blessings that God has given us. So that's why these come at the end. So these are prayers just designed to help you ask for those things that you want. And again, to bring them in confidence. You don't have to be ashamed or sheepish. Bring them before the Lord in confidence. So that is petition. Um, what else I want to say? Oh, I want to say this. Um, sometimes it can feel like when we're praying for someone that we care about, maybe somebody who's sick or somebody who's in trouble, obviously we're praying because we want God to intercede and we are to bring those things before God. But sometimes it can feel a little bit like we're trying to bully or badger God into doing what we want. And um, I want to put up a quote from John Calvin. It's a longer quote on prayer, but I think it's helpful to kind of set the context of why is it that we bring our loved ones before God? I mean, obviously in our own minds, we think, okay, if I've got somebody in my life who's sick, I'm asking God to heal that person. Yes, of course. But, but there's more to it than that. I think John Calvin explains it well. Let's uh, look at this. He said, believers do not pray with a view of informing God about things unknown to him. Like as if God doesn't know. Or exciting him to do his duty. As if God's just like sitting around not doing his duty. Or of urging him as though he were reluctant. On the contrary, they pray in order that they may arouse themselves to seek God that they may exercise their faith in meditating on his promises, that they may relieve themselves and their anxieties by pouring them into God's bosom. In a word, that they may declare that from him alone they hope and expect, both for themselves and for others, all good things. So first and foremost, it is about just coming into the presence of God. Yes, asking for what we need, but but knowing that he already knows and yet he loves us so much that he wants us to pour all our grief upon him, all our concerns upon him. John Stott put it this way. Uh, He said, the purpose of petitionary prayer then is not to bend God's will to ours, but rather to align our will to his. Our father does not spoil his children. He waits until we desire his will. So again, major part of prayer is God forming his will in us, asking for his will to be done. So adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, uh, petition. We've got a couple of minutes for questions if you've got any questions. Okay, so my, my hope for you all is that you all will begin today to think about a time time in the day that you can set aside to begin spending some time with God. Um, If you're not already reading his word, to begin with the gospel according to Matthew. If you don't have a modern Bible, maybe to to 
go on Amazon or christianbooks.com or wherever and uh, get yourself a good study Bible and I can make some suggestions if that'd be helpful um, but to begin on this journey of relationship with God your own personal relationship with him no questions? Yeah. Yeah. So I think you know. It, I w- so the question was, do, do I recommend doing it by, you know, by yourself? I, I think it. You know, there. Are, I'll say there are different seasons, different times. So there may be times where I mean, I know some couples who like to do a study together, and it's a great blessing and helpful. Um, some couples maybe might be spending time in the same book, but you know, separately. Um, and certainly, kind of in the broader sense, I think it, it is helpful for us to be in a group, um, you know, like a Bible study group that meets on a regular basis that is engaging the Word of God, which would be separate from our own personal devotions. But I think, um, yes, yeah, so I guess I would say it's a matter of kind of discernment within your own setting. Um, but it, it can be nice. I mean, it is, it is kind of nice to sometimes know that you're not alone. I mean, for me, so I'll just use an example. So I use... Uh, it's called the Daily Audio Bible, and a guy reads it. So I've got my Bible in front of me, and he's reading it. And I find that helpful sometimes because I'm just sort of more of an auditory learner, I find. And so I, it's helpful to list, for me to listen. Well, I'm by myself, but I know that there are all people all around the world who are listening at the same time. And for me, I don't know, I, that's kind of cool. Now some people are like, well, I don't care about that. But, but my point is there is something to, be, to knowing that you're not the only person doing it at the same time. So I, that's not really an answer, but I think just to, to pray about it. Yeah. Well, let me pray that for you all right now, um, and I'll set you free. Let's pray. Father, I um, thank you for that image that Danny gave to us this morning of um, our brothers and sisters in Christ in a foreign land who um, are hungry for your word. And I ask, Lord God, in the name of your son, Jesus, that you would settle that same spirit of hunger and yearning and desire on these, your sons and daughters. That as we go our separate ways and as we go back into our daily routines and and the responsibilities and challenges that we face in this life, Lord, please foster in us a spirit of humble discipline that we might walk as your disciples day in and day out on those days when your word is, is um, like life and sets a fire in our hearts. And yes, Lord, even on those days when we read your word and, and we're in a time of, um, well, it's like we're in the desert. Lord, that regardless, in season and out of season, that we might be a people of your word, uh, your disciples, listening for your voice day in and day out. Father, we ask these things expectantly, for we ask them again in Jesus' name.